Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we've got a really cool episode going on for you guys today. And hopefully you've been listening to all the other stuff that we've been putting out and digging on it. Today, we, uh, we're we going to wrap a little bit about education. We did a preview to this. When did we do the preview? Last it season. It feels like three years ago, but probably a couple weeks ago. It was mixed in, I think, with the Green Shield preview. Yeah, so probably end of the year. Yeah, so go check out the last or one of the last podcasts we did. It's called uh, The Green Snake, where we talk about the snaky sliminess of Green Shield Canada. Speaking their... of snaky sliminess. Oh, yeah. That, gets, that, gets, right that can kind of segue into t- today's episode. Right on. Well, we have a really cool guest sitting on our couch, sporting a headset, pointing at herself with a smile. Um, we're not using her name on this, and I don't blame her. For today's episode, we're going to call you Nancy. Always pick names. Fancy I'll Nancy. never fucking remember. <laughs> what you, Fancy Nancy. Nancy. All right. Let's, Nancy, let's Nancy. use that. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And uh, as Mark said, we did a preview about this. So if you heard it, you might know what's coming. If not, we are talking today about some of the unethical stuff that happens in uh, mostly private colleges we're talking about. So yeah. fancy Nancy here, <laughs> as uh, as I did and Mark, um, has worked in the private career college industry. And we all got out. And we all got out alive. alive. Yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourselves, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're just going to talk about some of the things that go on. You know, we we recorded an episode just recently, which hasn't come out yet. And we sort of started to talk about the fact that um, sometimes the schools focus a little bit too much on the bottom line being money, which of course we understand everything's a business, you have to make money, but at what expense are these students getting the quality education that they're paying for? Are they getting the things they were promised? Are they successful when they go to write their licensing exams? If we're strictly talking about massage, um, I think sometimes the answer is no, because people are focused a little too much on that green. Yeah, I mean... The other half of what we do at Two Massage Therapists and Microphone is our continuing education company called Conant Institute. And one of the courses that we have, or one of the workshops, or whatever you want to call it, is an OSCE preparation. Um, so that is preparation to do your massage therapy licensing exam in Ontario. And there are so many people that come through our doors that say, the school failed me. Like, I, I I failed my licensing exam because of my school. And you know, you can you can hear that and think that maybe they're just passing blame because they failed and nobody wants to admit when they've done some wrong. But Oh no, there's doing, definitely people. Yeah, <laughs> through doing these OSCE preps, we've realized these schools are failing them. Like completely. Definitely. So, Nancy, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So why don't you start off by saying, um, we don't have to identify any schools that you've worked at, but sort of how long you were in the industry and what roles you played at the schools. Uh, So I did work in admissions um, for about four years and change. Uh, That was about all I could handle of that line of work. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, right from, from the first time you're in the door, the whole point is money, right? I would say that, like... If you're looking at the product that's being sold, best case scenario, you have 
something that's been really well packaged for top dollar. Uh, it looks good. It seems really well. But then once you're enrolled in the school, what are you getting from it? Mm-hmm. You're paying literally the maximum. Most of these schools, as far as I'm aware, actually set their tuition based on what the maximum allowance is uh, for things like OSAP funding and stuff like that. So they look at what the maximum you can get. Now, don't forget, you have to pay this money back. It's not free money, right? right? So, um, you know, even doing things like that, like maxing it out to the very, very, very last cent. Um, Wait, can I pause you guys really quick? Yeah. Um, just because we have a lot of listeners from outside of Ontario and outside of Canada even. Can you tell us what OSAP even means? Okay, so it's uh, the Ontario Student Assistance Program. So that is the method. If you're in Ontario, you can't afford to pay for school, you're looking for um, a student loan. That is the uh, provincial lending body. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's what I mean when I say, like, if you if you look at some of the public schools and you're looking at the tuition for, you know, hours of instruction, really just even breaking it down that much, you're looking at, like, maybe a quarter of the price if you're doing it through, let's say, the public system, which is a whole different mess. Right. So, first of all, you're paying a lot, lot, lot more for private school. Mm-hmm. Um, which, sorry, if I could interrupt... There is going to be a, a higher price going to a private career college, obviously, because they're not getting the government funding. Exactly. Yeah. But as Nancy's saying, yes, there has to they have to charge a little bit more because they're not getting the government money. But do they have to max it out? Do right. they have to charge the maximum amount that they can possibly get? When you say max out, is this based? What is it based on? Based on program length? I think this is based on. I think what uh, she the was saying is the maximum you're amount to borrow for tuition for yeah. that study period. So, so, so essentially, OSAP says like if you have a program that's X amount of hours long, this is the maximum that that you can get exactly. That you can get, and that's important, right? There are certain courses out there that are, you know, taught by people who charge thousands of dollars an hour. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are certain programs that do does cost that much mm-hmm. to uh, educate a student. But for a lot of the programs that are going through, this is this is money that is just kept as profit for the schools. Like it's not like it's being reinvested in student services. It's not right. like it's being invested in the quality of education. It's just literally maxing it out for the so, sake of it. So then a school sets their price. You're, you're, are you suggesting that a, a private career college oftentimes will set the set the tuition based on the maximum allowable, you know, student loan that can be issued? Yeah. And if it goes okay. up for the following year, they're made aware of that too. Gotcha, so, gotcha, gotcha. So they can, they can raise it in advance, right? So I don't even necessarily have a problem with that. I, wanted, I wanted to get into something sort of to start at the bottom, but just to comment on that, I don't even necessarily have a problem with that because again, everything's a business. If if the government is saying you can get this much money for a program, yeah, yeah. of course, a, a school that is private is going to try to get as much bang for their buck. I get that. The problem I have is, of course, they're getting this money. And as you said, is that money being used to ensure that the education is quality? At some private career colleges, maybe. I We're not bashing all of them. There are some private schools that I think probably do a pretty good job. But there are a lot that I think are taking that money, running with it, and finding every way to cut costs and cut corners everywhere else in the school so that more stays in their pocket. Yeah, absolutely. That's the problem that I have with the money. 
You're looking at me like... No, I mean, I don't know this end of it at all. I mean, I was just an instructor. So all of this stuff is is news to me. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, I was the director of admissions at a private career college for... Well, I worked in admissions for four years, same as you. It seems like that's the shelf life of somebody in admissions <laughs> before you've had quite enough. Um, and I was the director of admissions. Um, the school I worked for, I actually found to be not even the worst of the worst, if that makes sense. Like no, there were there were some things wasn't. I yeah. there were some things I saw that maybe you know I didn't a hundred percent agree with, but I did feel that majority of the time they were somewhat you know providing the services they said they were going to. There wasn't there wasn't lying going on. Um, I did, however, have more of an issue with the admissions process. So I wanted to ask yes. you, yes, straight. Okay, so. I am a massage therapist. I wasn't when I started there, but I very shortly after uh, starting to work there became a registered massage therapist. You are not a massage therapist, correct? I'm not, no. How much did you know about the program before you started essentially deciding whether or not somebody could come take it? Hold on. Before you go down that road, what were you doing before working in admissions? I actually worked in the automotive industry, <laughs> in the service sector of it. So um, the particular school that I worked at um, did have some overlap in terms of my previous experience with working with the licensed trades. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's sort of where I came in with this specific school that I worked at. But that's not, that's not why they hired you. I promise you, because the ad that I responded to when I went to go get a job at a private career college, only the only experience they required of you, sales. Yes. Yes. It is a sales position. It's a sales position. It is a sales position. Um, you are evaluated and you your remuneration is also based on um how many people get into the school so in my opinion it should have been like this is what my argument always was was i don't think admissions persons should be you know quote unquote bonused out not a start a start in a program is not to me having done anyone a service i think someone having graduated and gotten gotten a job in their field mm -hmm. is how an admissions should be evaluated, but it's not. It's it's all about getting people in, getting that money in the pocket. Uh, and that's entirely the, the well, focus. So I don't know how it was, again, when you were working at a private school or where you were. It wasn't totally like that when I worked there. It wasn't okay, so just a start. Take us through step by step, like how this works. So again, Nancy may have a different experience, yeah, but yeah, yeah. my experience was, um, and the way that the job was sold to me, I actually was like, this is really, really cool. Like I want to do this. And I actually did feel that I was helping people. So the way it was explained to me is you have someone come in, you know, they do the aptitude test, which really... And that's another really? thing too. Like, I mean, the aptitude test is a formality for very good reasons. And the amount of times that it was... People were allowed to do them, the untimed. That's what I mean. Pushing yeah. people through when it's like, listen, you guys are massage therapists. You know this is not an easy right. thing so, to learn I mean, that's, how to do. That's right? the first like, thing is... that was a problem was that there was an aptitude test, which wasn't incredibly difficult. It was basically to evaluate someone's comprehension and understanding of English. Because okay, so, we can't teach you if you don't understand basic questions. So I'm a prospective student, I come in, I'm like, I want to, I want to take massage therapy, or I want to take something, or maybe I don't even know what I want to take. I just yeah, know we, I want to do education. Those. And then I have to do some sort of aptitude test. Yeah. Who sets the standard for the aptitude test? So that's a standardized test that um, it, it had nothing to do with the school. That came okay. from so that's an like outside. That's a ministry thing. That's yeah. A, yeah. And so, so then I'm assuming then every different type of program has a different 
aptitude no. test? No, same, same test, different score requirements. Yes. Okay. So if you wanted to do something like massage therapy, which was considered um, the most difficult program, really, okay. your score you in the aptitude score. test had to be Above much whatever. higher than for something, maybe for somebody who wants to do like a personal support worker program. Okay. So yeah, there was different different scoring requirements. But as I said, when I, when I took the job, it was, okay, you give the person this aptitude test, yep. and then you go through an interview. And when I was explained the interview questions... It, it was a double. It was a double edge. On one hand, you're looking to see how committed this person is yep. to see is this a prospective student? Is this someone who's in their early research stage? Is this somebody who has any idea of what they actually want to do? Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you're you are evaluating is this a likely candidate to go into school who will actually be successful? On the other hand, you're looking for answers to see if you are good. How likely is it that I can get you to sign a contract and come to this school okay, and pause. get your butt in the seat? Pause. 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 Are you trained in in this interview process? Yes. Like, are you yeah. trained to determine like, and how does that training look? So it's a set set of questions. Um, so first, the the evaluation is administered. Okay. A certain score is required. Mm-hmm. And if the score is achieved, then you go through the interview process. And it is a set interview with set questions. And largely, like, I mean, this was disclosed to me during my training process. But the way that the questions are structured is actually, it's, it's to make you want to almost question yourself and feel like gotcha. this is the best idea it's for a you. psychology it's, it's a psychology play uh script that you you use. make it sound like literally you're supposed to be making it sound like you're admitting them but really you're selling them and like well, exactly no- it's it's the same it's the same format as the um, salespeople at fitness clubs use. Because I mean, I worked, I was a manager of a fitness club for years before I went into private career college. And essentially that's why I was so fucking good at that job because I had, I'd been selling people gym memberships my entire life. I could do it in my sleep. I left the fitness industry because I felt slimy. I felt manipulative. I so didn't want to do it. So it's to take me, the consumer, from that contemplation stage into action. It, it, it's to push you forward yeah, to say, why yeah. are you waiting? You know, you're basically telling me you've got three kids, you're on welfare, you don't have any education, you have no prospects, right. you know, all of these things. It's basically to show you how shitty your life is. Yeah. yeah. To show you where it could be okay. and then to ask you a bunch of questions to get you to admit to yourself that the only thing standing in your way is you. Sign the contract, get in class, you'll have a job in eight months. Okay. That's our job. And this is this this is the scripted interview that yeah. you guys do yes. when someone scores high enough. Yeah. What if someone doesn't score high enough? This was then what happens? this was my problem number one. Nancy alluded to it as well, so maybe I'll I'll let her talk about it. But I felt that if someone didn't score high enough and it was maybe they missed it by a couple of points, we were sort of indirectly told, let them do it again. Yeah, indirectly told, absolutely. Um, And also evaluating someone and paying them based on, okay, well, you know, you interviewed 20 people. Why did you only sign 10 up? Right. And you're accountable for that. Regardless of the fact that 10 people failed, it's still viewed that you You threw away 10 leads that they had paid for. We were always evaluated how much a lead costs. Yeah. So the encouragement to put people in classes, in my opinion, was not where it should be. See, now this makes so much more sense to me now that I hear this from being an instructor at a place very similar that I'm like, why the hell is this person even in this class? Because if they were even slightly capable, if you're the person in the admissions department who knows 
fuck, my, you know, my lead to interview percentage is going to be evaluated at the end of the month. My interview my to contract percentage up. is going to be evaluated. And these numbers were thrown in our face at every admissions meeting. And this was a weekly meeting. This yep. wasn't like a quarterly meeting to get a really good view of what's going on. Like, right. okay, this is really weird for the whole school. We had, you know, a whole bunch of people not passing every February. And it's like, okay, well, what's going on aside from this? But the whole thing was, is it was never even pushed that far. It's just your fault. So the whole thing is, is especially in a climate where people are worried about how they're going to make a living paying their bills. It's not great out there economically. Mm -hmm. I think there is a lot of pressure put on the reps to put people in that. It it could be questionable is all I'm saying is I know that I personally wouldn't have done that, but that was an ethics issue. You know what I mean? Like I'm not breaking my personal ethics for any school. So this is, so then just so I understand. So then this is someone who did this aptitude test and they didn't quite pass. They got close enough. Are you saying that some admissions representatives would say "Mm, good enough or would they say would they change numbers or would they say hey do this again i'll give you whether or not they change numbers i don't know because if people did that it was something that nobody would openly talk about because that's absolutely not allowed that's yeah like that that's a big no-no i yeah i'm pretty sure that's like you could get the school yeah Okay. They had to like they that, had yeah. to get the minimum score. Gotcha. But yes, like I said, problem one was if somebody came close enough, it was like, oh, they're so close. And especially if it was somebody that, you know, you'd get a feeling when somebody first came in, if they were really serious, like somebody could right. come in and say, I want to sign up for massage therapy. And I don't remember what the score was. Let's say it was they had to get, you know, 22 questions right for massage and they got 20. You'd be like, fuck, those two questions. That's like when you really want to buy that car, but then your financing falls. So then, you know, I know there was reps. um, As as Nancy said, I couldn't be unethical in that way because I – it I I just couldn't do it. But I know there were reps that would, you know, sort of go through – the questions with the candidates and say, well, you answered this. Listen to the question again. They wouldn't give them the answer because you can't do that, but they were sort of coached. Listen to this question again. Reread this one for me. After getting all the coaching, they'd put them back in the private room, give them the test again. Again. Oh, they, Same got, test. they got the right score this time. And then the other one was shredded. And everyone knows this happens? Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone in admissions. Everyone in admissions happens. knows yes. this happens? Because, as Nancy said, we're getting, we're getting you pressure. Get paid based on but this. But not this, even that. Pressure, we're okay. also getting, you know, you were an instructor. Do you know that the instructors were actually a bigger pain in my ass than the administration at the fill school my class, was? Fill my class. Fill my fill class. Fill my class. Yeah. Fill my class. Because the instructors, same thing. If they don't have a class, they could in at the next start. If we're still sitting at three starts, they'll put you down to part time. All of a sudden, you don't have a job, right? The instructors were always on our case, but then they'd come back and scream at us if they got a student who wasn't quite up to the level they should be. Well, what do you want? Do you want butts and seats, or do you want the cream of the crop? I can't give you both. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I get the idea there. When someone doesn't do well on that aptitude test. Now someone passes that, and now we're into that interview process with your scripted shit. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Do you guys remember? You guys remember any I parts? Do, of it? I, could, I do. I could honestly I say the question. Can you? Can you, I know it's going to sound. It's hokey. been years for me, but I. I you still remember, remember it? Basic, um, basic. Just even silly. Th- it's the. Can you guys run through it a little bit? Because I'm I'm really curious. As I'm going to let Nancy do it because she's more fresh out of I'm the really industry. Curious no, as to you know what? what I'd actually like. prefer not to because for, for me certain things stick. Right? Like it's more about the structure for me that bothered me. Okay. Okay. Like it's specifically worded to make you question yourself. Okay. Like. Just the way it's worded, like it doesn't. How long things. have you been thinking about changing your career, or yet changing your uh, making a change for the better? Oh, okay. So basically, insinuating that before you sat down in front of me, you were stagnant. Right. There was no, 
there isn't you weren't working towards your life until this moment. The only way to get better and move forward in life it's, is right here, right now. Right, with even us. even just that question, like how long you've been thinking about it, gets somebody realizing and makes them have to look introspectively and realize, man, I've been fucking procrastinating on this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So our basic goal is make them feel a little bit bad about themselves. Yes. Okay. On purpose. Right. On purpose. Yeah. Basically to shift that illusion that um, you are trying to impress me, the admissions rep, when really, I really need you to take that seat because of my conversion rate is garbage right gotcha, now. Right? Gotcha, like, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, um, it is what it is. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of different places that do similar things when they're quote unquote selling. Things. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. like I said, everything is a business. I didn't even necessarily have such a problem with that, um, especially because when you're working for a private school or when you're going to a private school, you know, there's no government funding. So yes, the students are the only reason the school runs. I get it. It was only when, you know, you're getting the pressure from both sides. You know, the instructors are getting upset. The administration's getting upset. So then you and admissions really do feel like your hands are tied. Like, you know, you have somebody coming in and Ethically, you want to say to them, I don't think you're quite ready, you know, go up or grade your ESL a little bit and come back. But then the other side of you is saying, well, you know, you passed the test, you've got the money, your English is okay. Yeah. I think a community college doesn't work that much different. We did a podcast with Nick and he was talking specifically about, I think it was Mohawk College. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to say it because Nick said it. And he's like, they don't give a shit about their massage therapy program. They just care about numbers in the seats because they get government funding. The more students they get, the more more dollars Well, it's the same thing. Do you remember when you applied for university? Um, I applied (laughs) to three schools, okay? Once you get your letters of acceptance, then their main goal is come to this school over that one. Right. You know, then they're selling you and they're sending you shit and they, they want you to to choose their school. Okay. So yeah, that's why is much better. No. Well, that's no. why I said I don't necessarily have a hate for private career colleges. Right. It's the structure and that's where I was going when I asked Nancy like what did you know about the program? It's you've got people whose only job is to sell who actually don't even know what they're selling. Right, and so what yeah. we were always told was you don't need to know anything about the program. That's irrelevant. Like I mean, I did know a little bit about each of the programs, but I think that was more that was more baptism by fire, right? Because how many after a while of people sitting down for different programs and saying, I want to go into program A, what are the prospects? What do I learn? What's right. the difference between that and, you know, B, program B. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, it works out better for you to know more about the program. It, yeah. Like you almost have to know that like if you're selling anything, you're not going to sell it well if you don't know what your product is. Well, right? and again, so when, are, when you're I not was, discouraged to learn about the program. We, we really were. That was you the were. biggest problem I had. It was don't get into detail. That's not your job. Don't tell them about the program. So, for example, something like massage therapy, which is actually a lot more difficult. Even people we've had on the podcast, how many therapists have sat here and said, I didn't even know how hard it was going to be before I went in? I've had people who have gone to medical school in other parts of the world who have decided to emigrate here. And I'm talking not just one, I'm talking handfuls Mm -hmm. who have decided to take the programs or at least apply for them who could not believe the curriculum. The speed at which it moves, specifically, um, you know, the RMT program, Mm -hmm. could not believe how really, really you had to be organized, you had to be good at learning, and you had to have excellent time management skills because it came at you, it came at you fast. And I believe um, it was only about a year and a half program, two-year program, if I can. Year and a half. Year and somewhere, a half program. Somewhere around there. Some yeah. schools do it in two, some schools do it a year and a half. When I did and it, 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 was, whole it was 22 months, and I did it at the school that I worked at. Okay. It was 22 months. And uh, even for myself, like I had, I had a university degree in kinesiology 
And I even found, yeah, like you said, the speed yeah. at which it moves because it is sort of an accelerated program. It's not mm. three years as you would get at like a public college. And I found it to be a lot more difficult than I was expecting it to be. Mm -hmm. And so imagine you're an admissions representative and someone comes in, they want to take massage and you know nothing about the program. You're very likely putting people in who are nowhere near ready. And then the instructors, you know, enter Mark into an admissions office saying, why the fuck is this person in my class? Right. Like, oh, I've seen that happen tens of times where people just literally don't they just need a bum in a seat because mm-hmm. not all reps are ethical, right? Like they literally just care about their numbers and their payout. Yeah. They don't care if you last three weeks, three months. They don't care if you get a job. Like it literally is not their concern. That's your concern in their eyes. And I've literally seen people halfway through their programs being like, I don't think I'm going to get to do job ABC with this program. And it's like, no, that's the other program. Why are you in this one? Yes. Yes. Well, slow that down. But that? That's happened more than once. Let me give you a very clear cut example. Yeah. The school that I worked for had a program that used to be called social service worker. Okay. Okay. It is in no way a social worker program. Right. But if you are a prospective student and you don't know this, okay. And you're coming to the rep and saying, at the end of the day, I want to be a social worker. And you're a rep who has been encouraged not to know anything about the programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do this. Yeah. And, you know, you'd have people asking questions like, can my credits be transferred to university? You know, if I finish this, can some of these courses be honored at university so I can go on to get my social worker degree? I mean, I know the answer is no. But there were reps who either didn't know or didn't care. And yeah, 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 yeah. Very much encouraged to say you'd have to check with the establishment that you're thinking of. If you're thinking about, you know, transferring Mm -hmm. to the University of Toronto, you're going to have to check with them. Well, there's thousands of universities. No one's going to check with all of them. Then the onus isn't on the rep, right? But yeah, like it's, and this is not, it's not like it's free. It's people's time and it's people's money and it's people's futures at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I, sorry, I started to say at the beginning when you were saying, you know, um, the reps getting the payout. Again, I I don't know how it worked where you were, but when I was there, we didn't get a payout just for getting a bum in a seat. They had to make it beyond module one because that would prove or you know whatever it it was called a certain amount of time they had to make it beyond module one because that would prove that okay they're committed they've passed things knowing that okay they they can be successful after that it isn't on the rep and i did agree with that because i was like you know what i got the student in they got to a certain point meaning that they're not they're they weren't a bad choice of student to put in you know what i mean they were okay for the program if anything happens beyond that it's really out of my control you know if they have a death in the family and they need to go back to their country, that's not in my control. If they are having issues with the teacher, that's not in my control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I was okay with that structure. Still, of course, more motivated to get more butts and seats because there are going to be people who drop out. This makes so much sense to me now because I I never figured out why some reps would come to me and and like with a with a student that's been struggling, saying, "Can you can you spend some time with this person? Can you?" Oh, yeah, can because you work if they dropped through? out before a certain time frame, uh, we didn't get any money. I had no fucking clue. I just thought, "Oh, okay. Well, that's your rep, and uh, they really like you, and they they really want me to." Help well, of course, that's so. what they're showing to the student, right? Like, "Oh, I care about you. I'm going to help you." That's why, in, in my opinion, like in an idea, and, and again, again, this is an ideal, but mm-hmm. I, I think reps should be, I think it should be a combination. I think it should be an evaluation of performance. I should, I think it should be, you know, how many of your students finish? 
um, how do you, how many of your students get jobs, you know, then that'll put the onus. But like, I mean, like you said, it's a business, right? Yeah. You're not making maximum money if you're doing that. You're right. And, and this, and this is the thing is it will never go to the most ethical structure, which would be reps are not getting bonused on students. That's the most ethical structure, but that's never going to happen because a private school whose income is nowhere near predictable. I mean, when I first started there, I started right around a recession. I was making a fucking killing because everybody had to get a new career yeah. and everybody was getting second career funding. And I was making a killing on my bonuses because I was signing up people left, right and center for programs. But then you go through a time where there's not a lot of people taking courses. Right. And, all you know, teachers are getting laid off and there's class starts not happening. They can't pay the reps a salary just based on what they're doing day to day because they are not going to be able to afford it all the time. Right. Or that's, you know, that's sort of their mentality, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be this bonus system. The more students you bring in, the better the school's doing. So the more students you bring in, you should get compensated for that because you're helping the school make money, right? Like that's, that's again, their mentality. It's always going to be that way. And how do you make it fair? Yeah. Because the reps are going to say it's not fair if we have to wait until graduation. Because again, there's things that are out of their control. Right. A student, you know, drops out because their partner passed away. It's a good reason for the student to drop out, but it is a good reason for the rep not to get paid. I think it can be balanced, but again, how many people stay anywhere for any period of time? And because we're talking about programs that last anywhere from six months to two years, mm -hmm. most most people are not staying very long in jobs these days, right? Like most people are flipping jobs every two to five years, I think is is the going average. But like, I think there are ways to evaluate how many of your people are getting done what they came are meeting the objective that right. they first entered the door through uh, you know how many months before to complete i think you can offset that like you can yeah, you can take that stat a better and you can way. apply it like okay so you've been here for a year after your year review it looks like you know you're on top here you know 8% only 8% of your students are dropping or not completing most other people have 12 13% that's great so you know we reevaluate quarterly with your grads and mm -hmm. and your bonus fluctuates based on that so there are ways to do it it's just of course it's 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 that's what works best for quote unquote the rep and the student. What about the business, right? Well, and so I mean, what works best, what work works like best that. for the business is to put the pressure on the rep. Yeah. Like it, the way that they make their money is to make the reps fear for their job every day so that they're not just sitting at their desk looking on Facebook. They want to make sure that they're taking every lead and exhausting it until it's absolutely nothing left that we can do. And as Nancy said, we're made very aware of the cost of every lead that comes in. So if you're wasting leads, they'll take them away from you. Or at least where I was. Like if they see that you've got somebody who's been sitting there and hasn't received any follow-up calls or, you know, they haven't, they'll take it right away from you. This is no longer yours to try to sell. We'll give it to somebody else. So I used to sit into the meetings at at the school that I worked at, their quarterly meetings, and they would give out awards mm -hmm. and they would give out admissions awards for people, you know, whoever enrolled the most amount of students. How ethical are those people that are top performers? I don't want to say anything because I won that shit like a hundred times. I won that shit too, but... So, um, okay, yeah, like, okay. I mean, I'm just I, curious. I, from looking I at it from the outside. I don't think that you have to sacrifice I don't the think amount you of do. bums and seats exactly. to be a good rep. Okay. Exactly. I don't think you have to. I think that I... Just because the picture we're painting right now is, is not sounding... Well, good. and that's why I keep going back to the fact that it's... Not everything about the process is unethical, but you're going to get unethical people in yes. it. And it's... 
it's again, the fear that the company puts on you. Like I remember once talking to one of the shareholders of the company and saying to her, I fear for my job every day. And she's like, well, that's not how it should be. And I was like, well, that's what you guys do to us. Just so you know. Yeah. It sucks because some people are naturally ethical and you can still make tons of money in sales by being ethical because you don't have to put bums in seats that second if you're willing to work hard. You can wait the month for the person to go and take, you know, a couple hours every afternoon at the free course down at the library that's covered by the city, you know, and, you know, here's, this is just for reading comprehension. Why don't you go have a go at that and we'll stay in touch. That's the thing is the training needs to be less focused on instant gratification. Yeah. You know, like I was very good at what I did. And I I would always admit that I was very good at what I did. Like when it came to admissions, I always had my numbers good. My conversions were good. But I wasn't lying to people. I wasn't manipulating people. I was very organized in my follow-ups and putting people where they needed to be. And when I would have someone, I never felt... I. I was never worried that if I had a good student in front of me that they were going to go anywhere else. I built built up a really good trust with the people that were in front of me because I genuinely did want to help them. Like I said, when I first got that job, I was like, this is really fucking cool because I worked in a position where I was working mainly with newcomers to the country yep. or people who really had a shitty go at life and really did need a change. So I had... I. I made myself believe in the company culture and that I was helping people. Mm -hmm. So when people would come in, I didn't feel I was lying to them or manipulating them. And so I think that was why I was able to to do what I was able to do. And I think that's key. I think that you're really hitting on an important part here because it looks the same on paper. A lazy rep who just wants the numbers Mm -hmm. and an excellent rep who's willing to wait to the next month, willing to follow up, willing to make it take another meeting, two more phone calls. Right. That is the difference between someone investing their money wisely and not. So you can still have the same outcome with the same number of leads, but handle it better than just shoving them into a class without knowing if they should be there. And that's, I think that comes from the top again, it's in the training. We always had this pressure on us where I think if it was, if it was structured differently, where, you know, people didn't feel that they had to sign, have the person sign a contract the first time they came in. Yeah. But it was almost like a game. Like you'd see, I know at the the place that I worked, um, the folders that we carried when somebody was signing a contract were orange. So it was like, if you saw somebody walking with an orange folder, you're like, oh, motherfucker got a sale. And then you just wanted to, like, it was a game. It was such a game. Like you would be so excited to be walking with that orange folder. You got somebody to sign up for a program. And as I said, there's the ethical ones. Like I felt when I had the orange folder, I never felt like like slimy. I didn't feel like I was signing up somebody for something they didn't need. I felt like I was putting somebody somewhere that was going to benefit them. Did I have students that maybe I made a mistake? Of course I did. Like you, you can't be perfect. Of course, I put students in programs. They came back to me and said, "No, this is not what I thought it was going to be." Okay, that's going to happen. You help. Yeah, exactly. But I know what you're saying. Like, it's how do you help in those scenarios? <sighs> Usually, a lot of arguing with your coworkers. Yeah. Um, like, how does that work? Uh, being really honest right from the get-go. Like, okay, so you're six months in, so this is an eight thousand dollar mistake you just made. And if you would like to correct that, you're going to eat eight grand. Otherwise, or if not more, some of these people are single moms, three kids. They're not borrowing just the cost of the the tuition and the books, right? They're they're borrowing living expenses too. Mm -hmm. So if they were to get halfway through, like, let's say a 12-month or a 10-month program and funding is done twice throughout 
like they applied for funding to do so, they could end up 15000 in the hole just from not having been put in the right program. And we're not going to, like the school's not going to cover that for them. They're on the hook for that. Mm. So it's really, really sad when you see people starting out with a whole lot of nothing and just trying to get somewhere. And then they're left in the same spot with a whole lot less nothing, you know. The what, do you, only, what do you mean by a student being put in the wrong program? Well, the only the only program I actually ever had this problem with was massage therapy. So when you say put in the wrong program, meaning they were coming in, they want to be in massage therapy and and they just I really so yeah, they would come it? in, they'd go through the process with me, they wanted to do massage. And like I said, because I had an understanding of massage therapy, I would try to make people really understand it. But at the same time, if somebody really wants to do it, well, then they really want to, do, they really want to do it. You know, like it it was my job and I did get paid to get them in the seat. So even if I said, you know, like this is really intense, you have to dedicate hours to student clinic and this, like I would go through all the things. Yeah. Everything. If, yeah. if they still wanted to do it, like there was a couple that I would say really, even from the interview, I'm like, I don't know. But you really want to do it? I got to let you do it because. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't see anything yeah. wrong with that. Well, and, I there, there is nothing that, wrong with in it. that scenario. But I mean, again, the, that was the only time I ever had the issue of a student coming back to me. You know, maybe a few months in and saying like, "This is not what I expected. This yeah. is way harder than I thought it was going to be." And at that point, as Nancy said, you're like, "Well, fuck. The, this is what your options are." And it would be too hard because you, yeah. They were allowed to write every 30 days until they got it. You know, right. well, the, what, the what was story. good for myself and for you, as, as based on what you're saying, is that when a student would come back and say that, I knew that I didn't manipulate them. Yeah. I didn't sell them on the program or the school. Right. So if they realized they made a mistake, at least they knew it was their mistake. So I never had to clean up any mess. It's not like you told me it was going to be like this and it's not like this. We had one scenario just to give you an idea of the unethical stuff that I saw. Like I said, I, I never felt that I participated in it, but that I saw. There was a student who came in for an interview with a newer rep. And this rep... um she was very obsessed with the the number of contracts signed in a day. She was obsessed. She probably had the highest drop rate. She didn't last very long. But she had an interview with a student that she actually turned away because the student was a hot mess. Like the only way to describe this person was a hot mess. The student didn't even quite understand that she was being turned away, came back the next day and said she had a meeting with the financial um, advisor to, to see if she could apply for OSAP. Now, if, the, if she actually had a meeting the um, financial department would have received paperwork from the admissions rep saying, you know, this person's going to come in to do their OSAP application. So the financial person was running around looking for the rep who uh, was working the late shift that day. So she wasn't there. So the student showed up, let's say at 930 in the morning, the rep wasn't until 11. So the assumption was, okay, maybe the rep forgot to give me the paperwork. So this student applied for OSAP, mm. went through the whole thing. When the rep finally came in, it was discovered no, I didn't. I didn't sign paperwork with her. She, like she, I don't think she should take this course. It's not like the student was then contacted and said, "Listen, you were not. You, you know, you're you weren't accepted to the program. The funding went through, and so did she into that program. Into the program, the teacher complained to me because at this point I was the director of admissions. Complained to me every single day, and I said, I, I like, I don't even know what to do at this point. I didn't put her there. I don't think she should be there." She was put there by somebody higher than me, and she didn't last. She ended up having to be removed from the program after a few months because she was never suitable to be there in the first place. And now she's got some sort of student loan that she. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a feeling in a case like that, they might have eaten that. 
No? Um, no, because it was, you know, she applied for the program. She got the funding. She went in for, she went in for a few months. And that's, that's like someone who already was not. She should have never been in in the first place. And that's what I, I mean, that wasn't a common occurrence, but it was this once this rep realized, oh, she applied for OSAP, then it was sort of like the rep and the financial person talked and was like, well, you know, let's see. She got the, fi- let's see how it goes. That's just playing with someone's fucking life. But that's what I yes. mean. I'm like, you fucking, <laughs> you admitted yesterday that y- she needed to be sent away because she, this program was going to be too difficult for her. Yeah. But then she decided to take it upon herself and go apply for OSAP. It looked, you know, looked good that she was going to get the funding. And so it was like, okay, well, let's give her a shot. Let's give her a shot because you saw the money. I was not okay with that that's so fucked up yeah in my opinion and it's not just private schools not just public schools not just schools everyone's way too focused on soaking up every single dollar of profit from every second a business is operating yes it's the reason why our tomatoes taste terrible on our plates at restaurants because they saved three cents on a pound you know what i mean like it's everything is just getting so marginalized i think especially when it comes to schools if you have quality programs and people are getting quality work afterwards. You don't have to focus on putting bums in seats. That'll happen by itself. Exactly. You and know that, what I mean? That's, like, that's proof with some of these legacy massage therapy schools thank you. in, yeah. thank you. in the that's greater exactly Toronto area. the example I was going to use. RMT is a perfect one because we've got our little friendly school down there that's impossible to get into. You know what I mean? Like it's Their classes are full all the time. Um, you, you've got a lot of professionals. Okay. So this is an example of what I saw. Specifically, if anybody had the proper kind of qualifications where they could get any kind of exemption whatsoever, they would end up going to, I think we're talking about all the same specific school. Okay. Um, And it was like, they never had to worry about, you know, hurrying to sign on the dotted line because a quality education makes the line about the door. Forcing people to sign on the line does not create a good service or product. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes you get paid for it and you're always chasing that pay because you never know when it's going to give out on you because you know it's a house of cards, right? So that's what I think the biggest problem is, is like just really marginalizing the student in the whole picture. And public schools are guilty of it too, really. Like mm-hmm. they really, really are. At least private schools are kept on the hook to a certain point where they like have to actually report how many people are working in the field. As far as I'm aware, public schools don't have to do that. Yeah, I don't know that they do or, I don't or think that they, they follow do. up with I their no students. Idea. I yeah, like I mean when we when I worked for the private school, um career services was another area that they had a lot of pressure put on them because if we didn't have um, high employment rates, of course, that's affecting the number of students coming in. Because there were students that did their research and would come in and say, you know, what's your rate of employment? What's your pass rate for the licensing exams? Like there were students who wanted to know these things before signing on the dotted line. love them? Like, please sign on the dotted line because I know you're going to sail through this and you're going to be, I I loved, I loved the ones that did their research. Um, And again, like that was part of why there was a little piece of me that understood the school saying you don't need to know everything about the programs because, yes, it should be on the student to do some it should be on the owner should be on them to do some of their own research. I get it. But I feel in admissions knowing nothing about the programs. How can you accurately evaluate if somebody is ready to do something that you don't even know anything about? Yeah, that that's true. That trips me out. Or like I'm assuming because you guys both worked at a place where there were several different 
courses or sell different programs. I'm assuming you have people come in and be like, I don't even know what I want to do. Yeah, I yeah. just want to do oh something. Oh my God, all the time. So then it's based on you folks to say, well, I think you should do this. Well, and that's so the thing I- is because we worked with a lot of, as I said, a lot of newcomers. That is a huge demographic of private schools because they are medically trained. Like I worked in a school that only had healthcare programs, right? So they're medically trained in their country, they come to Canada and realize, well, shit, I can't do anything I'm not going to go do another eight years. I'm not going to yeah. do a four-year undergrad and I'm not going to med school. Right. Like, I, I have, I need to, it's perfect for people like that because they can't spend four years at a no, public school. No, they need school. to make money now. They need to get in and out quickly as possible. It doesn't matter if it costs 40 grand or four grand. Yep. It doesn't matter. The they were the people important. I loved, loved working with because I really felt like I am saving you from a life of poverty in a brand new country. And like, I, I felt good about helping people like that. The problem was they'd come. Okay. So I was a, you know, I was a registered nurse in, in the Philippines, or I was a doctor in India or whatever it was. What do you think would be the best way for me to get into healthcare here? And most of them actually were planning to do university and everything, but sort of down the road or part-time, but they needed a job sooner. And yeah, when I'd have someone, well, what do you think is best for me? Thank God I had some sort of understanding of the programs, you know, because I really felt like I I want to help them. Yes, I would tell them they needed to do research. I would, somebody like that, there's no way in hell I was having them sign a contract the same day they came in. Like you have to understand what you're signing before you sign anything, right? So I would give them some program descriptions. You know, these are ones that maybe suit based on what you're telling me look into them, do some research, you know, we'll, we'll talk in three days kind of thing. But yeah, we, I got a lot of those. I don't know what I want to do. I want to work in healthcare. What do you got? And then essentially you're deciding for them. But that's the point is I wouldn't decide for them. Well, Are there reps that would? Yeah. yeah like I can, I, I, from what I'm hearing, I can imagine a rep going, mm, Oh, this you is going to be the right program. Uh, yes, it is. Just sign here. Just sign here. This is the right program. Oh, yeah. Just or, sign here. or, you know, how can I get paid easier on this? Okay. This is, this program here runs at this time. When are you free? What time is best for you? Okay. Why don't you go here? Or which one's starting the soonest? Which one's starting because again, Which class doesn't have enough students in it? their butt in the seat as soon as possible because you see your money walking out the door otherwise, right? right? That We were always pushed to get them in the next start, the next start, the next start. And as Nancy said, as Nancy said, there'd be times where we would be totally, I would be totally okay with saying like, okay, yeah, the class, exactly. The class is starting next week, but since we're just meeting today, why don't we look at when the next class is? That was something you didn't do openly when, you know, the big wigs were around because that's not what we were trained to do. We were trained to try to get people's butt in the seat as soon as possible. And I get it because it's an empty seat otherwise. I get it. But if it's not right for the person, like you're in the education business, you can't yeah. marginalize the student, right? Yeah. Like I feel I like know. I need a shower. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to sit on the, the floor of the shower, kind of rock it back. <laughs> no, no, like right because now. you as an instructor, and I mean, I knew you as an instructor, uh, you were very ethical and you would go to the administration when somebody was not right for the program. You had no problem telling them, you know, I don't think this person should be in. And the whole reason we decided to do this is because Mark could never understand why him as the instructor, the person of evaluating the student is saying, no, they're not ready. They need to, you know, maybe take some upgrading and come back and restart. And the administration was saying, no, 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 no. What can we do for them? How can we push them through essentially? Well, that's why. So have you ever heard of the scenarios where people end up, you know, passing courses in programs when they actually didn't? Marks being bumped up 
or stuff like that. I'll tell you why I'm asking. We, like I said, we do an OSCE prep course. And I had a guy, I spoke about this many times on the podcast. I had a guy come in who had a massage therapy diploma from a school and he had never massaged anyone ever. How? He's got a diploma that says that he graduated from a massage therapy okay, diploma. So where I worked, I will say this much, I never saw anything like that. Okay. No, I didn't either. Um, yeah, I never, I, I, no, I didn't see like that. Like I said, I feel but, like I worked at sort of one of the better. If, I if feel like say, I worked at yeah. probably one of the best One ones. of the better of oh, the private career colleges. And it was still colleges. terrible. <laughs> because like this, this I hear happening a lot. Or there's another particular school that I know that the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, just based on some of the stuff that I've seen in the their discipline reports, they, they have it that they can walk into this one particular school at any time and look through any of their student files because they're, this particular institution is infamous for, hey, um, okay, you want to take the massage therapy program? Cool. We can finish you in seven months. How much can you afford? Can you afford what we do in seven months? Okay, well, you can afford this much. Okay, well, we'll do it in 12 then. Okay, well, you know, don't worry about this course. So they structure the payment or like they're buying, they're purchasing the piece of paper. They're not, yes, they're yes. not purchasing an education. Yes. Yeah. Or they haven't done exams, but there's grades, there's, there's passing grades on, on whatever the student tracking stuff is that they've, they've done these exams. They pass. See, that's exams. really messed up. Where, messed up. where I was, A concern I had, but again, I was just admissions, was that the instructors were being sort of uh, bullied into allowing students to rewrite exams multiple, multiple times. This I've seen. 100% I've seen that. Definitely, definitely, definitely I've seen that. This has happened to me. And I always just think like, if if this was where I went to massage therapy school, you would have failed out. You would have been kicked out of here. You know what I mean? Bye. Or if you really want to do this, you got to start over. Not here's a test. Here, you can do That's it why I don't understand how how um what a, how it could be so what's the word I'm looking for so variable between no like how on one hand they're saying like it's such a contradiction like on one hand they're saying we need to get keep our you know stats up in terms of how many people are passing licensing exams how many people are getting employment but then on the other hand you're pushing through students who are very unlikely to be successful yeah. right exactly why are you doing exactly that? so that's why they're always chasing their tail right because yeah. they never it's a house of cards they never know when it's going to fall apart that's why the rush to get the dollar in your pocket today because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow uh, I've seen a number of unethical things like in terms of the school that I worked at for instance like our rep with um with the ministry the one who did all the financial stuff like I've seen persons ask this particular employee we'll just go ahead and backdate all of that and if you could go through and sign all of those ones that weren't signed and it like just like I've seen unethical stuff like that going to get so, OSAP funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with okay. different, yeah, like d- different ways of fiddling it, like right. to the advantage of the company. Never yeah. all out fraud. Usually it was covering a mistake or or something like yeah, that. I but again, it's fraud. a house of. It's I yeah. never saw any. I never saw any intentional fraud. Yeah. I saw some questionable things that I think could have been. I agree with you though. Yeah, like the financial people's job essentially wasn't just to, you know, find out what the student could get in terms of funding. It was figure out a way to get the student funding. So again, there's that pressure, right? Like how do we basically coach them to do their OSAP application to make sure that they get funding? Yeah. And like, I mean, you can't even say 
the O word when you're in school, right? Like the, the FA person can't, the rep can't. You're yeah. not allowed to, because then you're selling OSAP. Right. right? Yeah. So, we were never, although. But although there... that's what, that is exactly what is happening. It's, yeah. It is, OSAP is what is being sold at the end of the day. What you choose to use it on varies school by school. But Well, and the schools are also, as you said, private schools are held accountable for certain things and OSAP default rates matter to them. So again, it's this it's this whole like on one end you're saying, you know, we want to make sure the student gets funding because we want their butt in the seat. But on the other hand, if you know that this person is going to default on their OSAP, which means they're not going to repay their loan or yeah. they're not going to finish school or you know, and the the money's going to stay with them, that is affecting the school and the school's access to funds is going to be taken away if there's, you know, a certain percentage of students defaulting. So, so it's always a scramble. You, yeah. So why are it's you selling OSAP? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly it. It's a catch 22. So all of the effort goes into filling seats with bums and all of the crap that happens afterwards is the fallout from being more concerned with getting seats and bums than getting the right. It's basically uh, seats, as, as the person who was directly above me at the company, um, he was very famous for saying, let's just throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> that, that was, was the attitude. The, and it, it's fine if you're talking about, you know, like if it's fine if you're talking about new socks you know what I mean except like, he was talking about nice ones. if I don't like them I throw them out like you can't yeah. throw out a year of your life and 30 no, some odd thousand dollars in funding right yeah. what he always was referring to is like anything that we need to do to get students in seats to get these students the funding we'll do and we'll deal with the consequences later that was I guess the height of the unethical practices that I saw at that place was just, I feel like we could be doing this in a much cleaner way where then we won't have messes to clean up. Exactly. That's it, That has always been my point. If you just take care of it from the beginning, it'll take care of itself from then on out. Right. If you take care of the quality and take care of the focus, in the end, those seats will fill themselves. But again, there is no attitude of short-term pain for long-term gain at private companies no, like that. not whatsoever. It's all about instant gratification. Yeah. Let's get that money right now because we need it right now. And so then it's just cleaning up mess after mess after mess and defending your reputation. As I said, I seem to have worked at one of the better of the private career colleges, but private career colleges have okay. a bad name for this reason. Perfect idea. Tell me what you know about Everest, because when Everest closed down, do you guys, do you know much about I it? I was actually still working in the industry. Okay. I'm just going to read this and I want, too, I, I, was too, yeah. I want, I want your, uh, your comments on this. So this is from CBC News posted February 25th, 2015, Everest College closure, no surprise to some who call it a scam. I had a lot of students who during this shutdown were left high and dry and in the wind. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there was like 2,400 students that were Tons out of commission. For, from around where we were. And we actually had a lot of prob uh, programs that were that overlapped what they were offering at the closest Everest to where yep. we were. Um, so we ended up seeing a lot of these students. I mean, some of them were literally, they were done. They just needed to write an exam and that was it. 10 months of their life, gone. Wow. The school gone. that I worked for, I mean... This is where I felt that maybe maybe I'm naive and maybe there was something else going on, but they actually took in a lot of the Everest students who got screwed over and um, helped them to finish without 
taking more money. All right. I'm going to read this then. And then I'm going to talk to you about that too, because I used to sit in the Ontario Council of Private Massage Therapy Colleges or something like that. I can't remember what it's called exactly. And so it was essentially a collection of a bunch of schools that, that come together and discuss things. And when this whole Everest thing went down, there was a whole bunch of schools in that room that said, we're not touching them. We're not going to have anything to do with this. We know or we have an idea of the quality of massage therapy education that comes out of Everest College. We don't want to touch them because it's going to fuck with our stats. We won't even take them in. I, I did hear that. They Yeah, the other schools didn't want them because... They Unless didn't, they, were they didn't view, yeah, they didn't view Everest as having a good massage therapy program at all. All right. So the news of Everest College closure in Ontario came as no surprise to some former students and an ex-teacher. Instead, they say what is shocking is that the private career college they claim was corrupt wasn't shut down a lot sooner. They alleged Everest used aggressive marketing to lure students and then skew records to keep incompetent pupils in class so it could continue to collect their student loans. Correct. Is this just everything we were just saying? This is literally <laughs> what we just said, yeah. So Everest specifically was like the kingpin of Shady, I think, yeah. but not, I don't want to say it was too far off. The no. industry, like they may have been Everest a little bit had, worse, a little Everest bit more focused had some on of the, the hustle, best, but... the best marketing of yeah. all the private career colleges. So they were getting this is this a massage therapy student. They were getting a lot of traffic. This massage therapy student here. I'm grateful they are shut down. They can't take anyone else's money, says the former student. I'll leave his name out. To me, it's a scam. Dumbfounded that a college like Everest was ever able to operate in the first place. Basically, it's a cash grab. He says here they also claimed 100% success rate at the licensing exams, blah, 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 blah. I wonder how they would have pulled that off. Yeah, because I mean, those stats are They must have had to drop people. Like, they must have had to drop people. Or were they just making, it just says they were making the claims. Did they actually have 100% success rate? Probably not. Or how did they get 100%? Either they were lying or... This is from a teacher here, former instructor at uh, one of the Everest colleges in Windsor. States, half the kids couldn't even read. They weren't literate. Wow. Well, that's what I mean again. When I worked in admissions, if I did have somebody like that, which it has happened, where I had somebody that I'm like, there's no way that you can take any of the programs. You can barely pass a very basic aptitude test. You know, like it, it, there's just no way. But yeah, I mean, there Especially were reps so that much would free push stuff them through for yeah. people to take. You know what I mean? Like, take the time, know what the resources are in your area. If you're going to be a rep, someone comes to you and they can't speak the language of instruction, help them. Yeah. Like, how hard is it to send them a link to, you know, the municipal language services? Like it's not. But again, I'm, I don't even put the onus on the reps, the school, it should come from the top down. The school should be training reps that these are the kinds of students we want to have in. This is how we evaluate them. You know, I, I think in one of my last years there, we finally had a rule and I don't know if this came from the ministry or not, but the students had to prove they had a certain level of ESL if English wasn't their first language to take certain courses. So it was no longer that if a student could barely speak the language of instruction, we were just pushing them through. I know that happened with massage therapy at the school that I was at. And and, uh, that's always been a thing with the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario, that they had to have a certain proficiency level Mm -hmm. in reading, writing, speaking, and so on. And so they had an influx of 
people writing the exams that the examiners are like this person there's no way there's no way in hell that they they have a, a, a language command at a certain level mm-hmm. and that's when they start to really put it out to the massage schools like this language proficiency thing is a must yeah i'm surprised career colleges are even allowed to offer massage to be honest is that like do you think that's going well the but way of the dodo soon or it's gonna no be because year? it's it's no, no different than the schools that offer strictly massage they're still private schools yeah so a private career college is which which is registered with the ministry they can absolutely offer Don't the program. Do you think you should have to have like a kin degree? Like what you guys do is so serious and what you have to learn in that short period. Well, and otherwise. that comes to the instructors that they bring into the program. That's another thing. If we're talking about unethical things that happen at private career colleges is they don't give a shit about who the instructor is as long as they have RMT behind their name. For sure. I saw many sh- not so great instructors come in and out of the school that I was at. Um, I did clinic supervision at that school for two years after I stopped working admissions. And I've seen good instructors. I've seen bad instructors. But at the end of the day, the school didn't, they didn't care. That wasn't their focus. As long as you were an RMT and you were willing to work for a shitty private career college pay. Or the school doesn't know. How do they fucking know if you know your shit or not? But I guess that's what Nancy's saying is that these schools like Sutherland Chan or CCMH or, you know, the, the ones that are strictly massage therapy schools, the people that are running the schools do know. And so they are bringing in instructors that make sense for the, well, that was the other thing. The school I was at, it was one instructor for all practical and one instructor for all theory. In some instances that may work, you may have somebody who can teach every subject. In most cases, wouldn't it make more sense to have an instructor who is, who specializes in a certain subject? I remember taking um, kinesiology in massage therapy school and the instructor I had knew far less about kinesiology than I did. Yeah. Like, isn't that terrifying? It was, you know, I was like, some of the stuff he was saying, I'm like, this is just incorrect. Not even like, oh, he's not teaching it well. I'm like, this is incorrect. Yeah, and I feel bad for the student. The student doesn't fucking know any better. The student doesn't know, and then they go on continuing that mistake. And like, this is serious. It's massage therapy. Like, you can really hurt someone if you don't know what you're doing. You can not provide the therapy that people, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I don't think you'd pass your exam if you didn't have a good instructor. No, you won't. I like, we've we've seen it here. I was, I recently had uh, a student from Kingston who failed the exam twice, and she came for help. And she's like, this is the first time I've ever seen some of this stuff. I'm like, you went to school, right? For the curriculum, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you went to school. And she actually was a a very great girl. Like, it's not that she couldn't learn. She wasn't taught. Yeah. Because the stuff that we did with her in four days, she picked up no problem. She had her exam two weeks later and And shot me a great email that said, hey, I passed. Thank you very much. But she just had no idea. She didn't know what she didn't know. Yep. And that really fucked her up. Yeah. I can imagine being like really, really taken aback by that. If I'd gone through an education process myself, couldn't pass the exam and then found out like I was missing entire chunks. Yeah. Like, because she was, she was at our school getting 90s. She goes to write the licensing exam and fails the first time. She's like, what the fuck? Okay. Maybe I was nervous. Maybe I was nervous. Did it again, failed again, roughly the same mark. She's like, can something's I ask rocking you wrong. you a here. question then? Because yeah. you know more about this than either myself or Nancy. Sure. Do you think with the accreditation process that's happening now do you think this is going to change do you think it's going to change anything what it's going to do it's probably going to remove some schools um that have shitty programs to begin with it's a costly thing to even go through accreditation and you know 
I think that'll make a lot of people just go, mm, maybe we don't want to even bother with this. Or we know it's not just going through the accreditation process, but to get prepared for it is a huge cost. So it might weed out some it, of the shittier it, 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 institutions. It might. It might. Okay. But I mean, at the same time, these are all schools that got their programs approved at some point. This is just a reapproval program, but now coming not from the ministry, but a, a, but, but again, a third when party. It, you're, but you're getting approved through the ministry. You can put anything on paper. Is it who's who's actually approving your program at the ministry? Well, the same thing, but with the ministry, they I, I mean, I assume you know they they look through your program, they have to approve your program, they do their site visits, they have to approve all that shit, right? It's the same thing. This is just a, th- a third party doing the same thing, but having this in front of them saying that your 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 core competencies have to match this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can a school put that together for sure? Right? Really time-consuming, really costly. Exactly. So yeah, I'd, so I that can might see that shut it may down weed some out people. some of the really, really crappy schools. Might. But there are going to be some of these career colleges, as you say, that will get through. Um, do I think there are some career colleges that can offer a really good massage therapy program? Yes. But I think it's based on who they hire to do it. Well, and it's also hard to hire someone that's really, really decent and, and or that teaches nothing. really, really well when you pay them <laughs> shit. That's yeah. the that's the other thing too. Like there's a lot of expectation for professionals to be teaching the program, but at the price point at what they're willing to offer someone, it's yeah. like I'm an RMT. You do realize what I charge an hour, right? Exactly. Like like, so I'll make three times this much, no problem. I don't know anybody who's a professional who makes less per hour teaching than they do in their actual profession. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, that should be, I, that's to me, because otherwise, who are you getting to teach, right? You're getting the people who can't make you're it either, on their own, you're, Exactly. You're either getting people not that, always, that but you're either getting people that really, really are in love with the idea of teaching or they're really in love with the profession. They're, they're all about, you know, education, education, education. Mm-hmm. You get people that tried to make it work and it didn't work. You get people that, you know, I don't want to spend so much time treating. I want to mm-hmm. save my hands. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. another way to go about making an income. Like that's... Well, that's what I mean. There there are really good instructors. For sure. And I did have some when I was a student at, at the private school that were amazing. And I had some that were not. And because I could recognize that, I knew where the downfalls were and I knew where I had to put in extra work and study on my own. But as we just talked about, there are students who who won't know. Yeah. So they're just going based on what their instructor says. A good instructor is just a little a little bit more hard to come by. And I got they, lucky at the school I was at. We had great instructors. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a little harder. That to was come one by. part that I didn't have to worry about was worrying about like specifically where I was was worrying about instructors. I knew that specifically for the RMT program, yeah. if someone was gonna take it, mm-hmm. they were gonna have yeah. quality level of instruction. Well, that's, the what reputation I mean. that's, why of- I, that's why I don't think that um, private career colleges should not be allowed to offer a program because I personally think the school that I was at had a decent program. Yeah. It was all a matter of what instructors were there. There was nothing wrong with the program. There was nothing wrong with the curriculum, the exams, like uh, everything was good. It was all dependent on if they took the time to find a quality instructor. But as Mark said, that's it's hard to come by. It's 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 definitely hard to come by, especially when if if you're an educational institution that doesn't have the best reputation to begin with, then what fucking RMT wants their name attached mm-hmm. to the shitty school that is known to be the shitty school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to be honest with you. There's a part of me that sometimes when people ask, "Oh, where did you study massage?" I 
I feel the need to defend why I went to like a private career college. Well, you know, I was working there. So I, you know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like I have to defend it because I don't necessarily want my name attached to a school that isn't one of the top schools. Does that make sense? Like, I get it. Yeah, it. it's even though I know my ability and I know that I passed the exam. It really exam, shouldn't you know, fucking matter because at the end of the day, you, everyone's got to do their licensing exam. Like, no, I don't I give don't. a shit if my doctor went to U of T Medicine or McGill. So you're a fucking doctor. No, I understand. And I'm saying it shouldn't matter. But there is still sometimes a part of me that's like, it feels I have to defend like, why would you choose, you know, especially being that I, I already had previous education, like yeah. in that field. Well, why would you choose this school over Sutherland Chan, over CCMA? Like, why would you do that? And I feel like I have to defend it. Oh, wow. Interesting. 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 I, like, I do get it. I get that whole initial impression. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it. Again, where I worked specifically our RMT program with a number of other programs that had fabulous instructors that offered, you know, a fabulous education and really got people out there working, yeah. feeling comfortable to work. But that being said, it's still it's still a pig with lipstick on, right? Like it's still <laughs> you know I love every one of your like little euphemisms say I love it. Pig with lipstick on has to be my favorite. <laughs> but but it's you know what I mean? Like it's still it still is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is because private career colleges do have such a bad reputation, where I don't think all of them are bad, or at least you know, there's ones that are trying to do better and improve. And where I worked, as I said, although the, uh, you know, the guy had a, a, a knack for saying, let's throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. He really did try to like push a company culture on people of helping people. You know, we started every meeting with like, you know, our students are the top priority and blah, blah. whether or not he believed it. Mm. That was, yeah, that was sort of the thing, you know, like, let's take care of our students. Let's get people jobs. Like he would try to motivate yeah. the staff. Yeah, it's and like the McDonald's manager do. being like, let's give them the best meal they ever, right. ever had today. Right. It's like, you can give them the best <laughs> meal. That, yeah. Like I get good. That is the ethos you should have walking into it. You know, they're not going to have the best piece of meat they've ever had. Right. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> what? I, I, I think there's I, private I, I was at a place like that and I drank the Kool-Aid and I feel really fucking stupid about it. I'm not going to lie. But, okay. Buy the big fucking jugfuls. What's that Kool-Aid dude name? What's his name? Fucking? I think he's literally called the Kool-Aid The Kool-Aid dude. guy that crashes through walls. Yeah. It's <laughs> disappointing when you get through the wall. Like, wait. <laughs> yeah. That's, I feel, I feel. You know at the same time, I you don't... gifted how many students through those years where you were yes. on that dose I of Kool-Aid. How many students got like a really invested instructor right? or that so or that good, or uh, that just stole fucking time from me doing what i'm doing now no 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 preparing this you. is what i'm going to say to you about not feeling stupid because i know i drank the i was the director of admissions like i was literally i was selling it to people the reason i don't feel stupid about it, the Kool-Aid. Yeah, I, <laughs> <Serving> it. <laughs> I was i was actually making the kool-aid by the way i was i was the mom of the school um No, I don't feel stupid about it one bit because if you don't buy into the company culture, then you're not genuine. Then you are a lying, manipulative salesperson that is putting people into positions that are not bettering their lives by drinking the Kool-Aid, believing the culture, whether it was real or not. And feeling like, exactly, feeling like I was actually putting people in a place that was bettering their lives (sighs) was the only way that I could work there. I felt fucking duped. I I don't know if you know this. I had a pure Jerry Maguire moment. I wrote a manifesto and in a, in a staff meeting, I'm like, you guys are going to fucking listen to this. 
And then shortly after I left. Yeah, I think once that sort of, once it hits you, like, yeah. Once you've, yeah, once you've Once the taste in your mouth, you're out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I got to a point, I was telling Nancy before we we started recording, it was just one day I realized, like, I'm so fucking miserable. You know, I come to work every day. I'm getting pressure from every angle to get students in the seats. I know... I know that what I'm doing is I'm doing things ethically and I'm I'm helping people, but I can't do it when you're not letting me do it my way. And um, I remember at the time my boss was on vacation. So I decided this on like a Thursday. He was on vacation. He was going to be back Monday. I sent an email saying, hey, can I come meet with you Monday morning? And I walked into his office and I guess he could, I was, I was so nervous. I think I had hives all over my body because I was going in to say like, I just can't do this anymore. I didn't even finish getting the words out. And he's like... I've known you long enough to know that you're here to quit. I'm like, oh, thank God I have to say it. And uh, yeah, that was it. I was just like, I can't, I can't the do it anymore. The day before I quit, I literally picked up, I'd, I'd had a couple of job offers in the couple months leading up to it, just from random places that it was just, so I had one offer and the day before I quit, out of nowhere, I was just like, I don't even want this other new job either. I just cannot, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do it one yeah. more day. I can't. Like I knew, I I knew I had to quit. So I, that night I wrote it up. I, you know, messaged my, I, my boss was changing at the time. So I had to message my boss that was going out with my boss that was coming in, message them both. And I was just like, I'm sorry, I gotta go. Like I can't, not one more minute. I'm really sorry. Gotta go. I like how all three of us actually quit without having another prospect lined up. When I quit, I didn't have another job. Oh, yeah. It so was, I it took was the, the other job same. and quit that one within three weeks, too, because that was actually much, much worse. But that's a different, that's a story for a different day. <laughs> that was, that was much, much, much worse. No, you um, get to a point where you just got to get out. Like, I didn't care if I, if I, had to be unemployed for a couple of months. Well, that was I just where I was. I had enough yeah. money in the bank that I wasn't sweating yet. I had like 90 days before I started sweating. But you know what I mean? Like I'd, I'd yeah. done myself of enough of a favor to, to give myself a bit of padding. Um, And yeah, I was just out. And I, I really didn't start. I've just kind of been working part-time since. It puts such a bad taste in my mouth that like I'd rather work two part-time jobs with no bullshit than mm-hmm. work one full-time job for less money. Yeah. I can I can make more working two part-time jobs, you know, mm-hmm. for the same hours. And it just it just was so abundantly not worth it in the end. Like I could not spend another moment contributing to it in can any way you, whatsoever. Can you sort of give us cuz I mean, sorry, I like didn't actually intend to talk so much on this podcast. This is bringing up everything from like five years. Ago. When did I leave that job? Oh, seven know. years ago. My God. It's been a long time. Um yeah, oh, eight maybe. God. Anyway, can you Give us some of the stuff that really, really, like near the end, what was it that really just sort of put the nail in the coffin? You were done. Um, Specifically for me, it was, um, I could get through working there for a long time because of the coworkers that I had there. Everyone really got along. I think we all did a pretty good job of of helping each other out to make sure the student got what they needed. Like everyone at one specific point was just on fire. It was such a good team. It was such a good team. Like there was this two year really beautiful period where there was no boss telling you, you were going to lose your job over this and that. Cause we all had each other's backs. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we were all, all over it. So, so important. So yeah, one of the people left and then another one was leaving and we had, um, hired someone else who literally is just like a s- sack filled with slime and a heartbeat. Like I've never met anyone. I just, 
liked more in my life. And um, imagine everything that could possibly be skeezy about a rep and put it in one person. And that was it for me because I knew I couldn't watch it. Like I knew there was no way I was going to, I'm not good at being quiet about things. I don't know if you noticed, but if I see someone screwing someone else, I'm going to say something. And I just saw it, what I said before about one of the students saying, I don't think that I'm going to be able to do what I want to do in the hospital with this certification. And me go, no, it's because you're in the wrong program. And they'd been in for like a number of months at that point. And I knew it was this person just going, yep, nope, just sign there. Nope, just sign there. I said sign there. And like literally so little regard for other people, I was just done. I was like, this company will embrace this rep, first of all. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. That Because this is this is the star. This person sees three people, three people sign contracts. Gotcha. Mm. So it is what it is. Say, uh, uh, if you look two months, three months down the road, we each had the same number of people sticking three months in. You know what I mean? But that being said, I just, I couldn't work there. I couldn't work there with specifically this person. And I couldn't work there in a place that applauded it. That was what did it for me is is applauding that behavior. Mm-hmm. Being told this is how you should do it. And it's like, no, no, I'm good. We're good. Well, yeah, that's what I, I said like four times. It needs to come from the top. If you are rewarding reps for being slimy, yep. well, then really as much as you say, oh, we're about helping people and this and that. You're not. No, you're not. Do they they're know the money. sliminess or do they just see the outcome? They, they know. They probably know, but they turn a blind eye. As gotcha. long as, I mean, we, part of my job as the director, um, the calls uh, are recorded. When somebody calls in to ask about it, there's certain things you're not supposed to say over the phone. If somebody calls and says, how long is the program and how much is it? That was not an answer you were supposed to give because, you know. How are you supposed to get them in front of you to pressure them? Yeah, it was, you know, we, you, you never discussed that over the phone. There was basically all these loopholes and things that you would say instead to try to get them to come in. And I mean, again. I drank the Kool-Aid because the reasoning that the company would give you was, well, it doesn't matter because all private schools are going to have the same prices, which they really did. Like the prices at most of the private career colleges for programs were the same. Because they all do the exact same thing. They They'll look at what out. the max out for yeah. next year's tuition right. is going to be and they set their tuition. So ultimately the price and the duration of the program shouldn't matter. It's But you got to get them in front of you because once they're in front of you, that's when you can convince them that this is the right school, right? So part of my job was to listen to the recorded calls and, um, you know, sort of as a training tool for the reps, like, you know, this is what you could have said instead, or how could we have handled this better? But what I would see in these meetings when we would listen to the calls is if there was a rep who was being honest, those were the reps that got the slap on the wrist. Oh, yeah, you got in big trouble. <laughs> Such a I always killed it on those calls. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure. Let me set you up with a time with someone. I'd never say it was me on the phone. <laughs> I would just literally act like it was my job to make an, an appointment with someone. Oh, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Once you've seen a rep, though, you can see the finance department. They go through over, go through all of that with you. Oh, that was a, an approach I never took. Oh, I oh. always just, I always did that. It worked 100% of the time. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I believe you. I remember once um, a man <laughs> saying to me over the phone, honey, you've been trained very well. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you're dodging every question I throw at you. Yep. And, you know, that that actually honestly didn't sit very well with me. I was like, ooh, I really am. Like, and when you get good 
at it and you realize like this is manipulative behavior. Like I'm right. good at manipulating people. I know mm-hmm. it's a bit. It's such an old school way of sales. It's that sales for everybody though. Like I've worked a number of sales jobs over the years. And in in I've gyms, never... it was the exact same thing. You should see the car business. You're... Oh, I, I can imagine the car <laughs> yeah, business. But, but that's what I mean. The car business has a reputation for being a slimy fucking sales business. So does fitness and so does private career colleges. Mm-hmm. We all do it the same way. And if you know anything about any kind of sales in any company, you're like, wow, this is this is slimy. <laughs> sales by nature is, I think, at least the way we do it now. Yeah. Whatever happened to the good old days where you were a blacksmith, you sold your, you know, your horseshoes and shit. Like you made them, you sold them, you did the warranty work, you did it all, right? Well, and this is what you and I were talking about the other night. I don't feel any negative ways about trying to sell people on massage therapy because I don't feel like I'm selling them something they don't need, right? Like this no, is, I think it's a wonderful I'm providing thing. a service that I think is going to benefit somebody. So I have no problem asking people for referrals. I have no problem telling people this is how many, you know, you need to rebook in this so many days. And, you know, I, I'm i not one of the therapists when my client comes out, oh, how do you feel? Okay, so when do you want another appointment? No, I tell them what I think they need to do. Now, whether or not they're going to do it, it's up to them. Obviously, you, can, you can't force somebody to do anything, but I don't feel slimy about it, yeah. you know? And um, yeah, when I was working in the school, I had to convince myself that, you know, I'm selling people something they need. I'm selling them a better life and blah. I had to convince myself. But again, like you said, you realize how much you are actually manipulating people. And then there's the whole other flip side to it are the people who are kind of manipulating you in a sense. Like there are a number of people who get themselves into financial situations where they're getting pulled off Ontario Works and they got two small kids. Like they don't have a way of making money for themselves. They dropped out of Mm -hmm. high school when they got pregnant with their first kid. Their life happened the way that it happened for them, but it created some challenges, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of getting things done. So they need, they need that money. They need that money. They need it to go and apply for um, subsidized daycare. They need it to, for a number of reasons. So a lot of times you get people in a real bind Mm -hmm. who are just picking something for the sake of it because otherwise they're going to end up homeless and losing their subsidy for their housing, their subsidy for their uh, childcare and all of that. And it's like, those are the ones that you really, really have to worry about because a lot of times they're just coming in for the money. So there is an element of the school getting screwed too, I guess, right? But not as much, I don't think. As... How does the school get screwed in a situation like that? The only way the school gets screwed in that their situation numbers, is defaulting. Yeah, yeah. They, they default on their loans. They don't finish. They default on their loans. Okay. And I mean, every school is sort of given a grace. There's a certain allowance from the government of how many students can default on their loans where they don't can really consider it the school's fault. Right. If you go above that threshold, then the ministry is looking at you like, why are your students defaulting? Because then it looks like you're just getting everybody who needs OSAP and getting them to sign contracts to get money to your school. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So weird. It's a snaky, snaky business. I feel like it doesn't need to be so snaky. I feel like sales doesn't need to be so snaky. I think the whole world's gone mad. I don't think what we're talking about is exclusive to education. No, I don't think so at all. But if if everyone knows it's a sale job to begin with, you as a salesperson know it's a sale job, I'm the consumer, I know it's a sales job, then then it doesn't doesn't need to go this route at all. Well, and that's the thing is I never understand, um, to this day, people who are weirdly secretive. You know what I mean? Like people who keep things in that don't need to be kept in. Um, so as an example, my first three months working at the school, um, I the, the person who was sort of the acting director of admissions at the time uh, called me into his office because I guess what had happened was one of the students who was already enrolled, like she was graduating in like a month, she came to me and she said, 
this is like a really cool job that you do. Like I could see myself doing something like this, like interviewing people. She's like, I love talking to people. She was in the social service worker program. And she's like, so how does it work? Like you meet with so many people a day and then you get paid based on how many people go to school. She literally described my job. Like the way she described it was exactly what we do. And I said, well, yes and no. I said, yes, I do get some sort of compensation for students coming in, but they have to be quality students because they have to make it past a certain point in the program and blah, blah, blah. And I said, essentially, my job is to interview as many people as possible, weed out the ones that are absolutely not going to work and make sure the ones that are quality choose our school over any other schools. So that's how I described it to her. Well, the director of admissions chewed my face off. I basically admitted to a student that I make money off the students. I'm like, do you think they don't fucking know that? That's, that's my point. That's why. That's why. That's why this. All of the, because uh, this it, it's, slimy sales is weird to me because they know they took a shit. They take a shit on the carpet. They don't want anyone to talk about the shit on the carpet. You have to pretend that it's not there, right? Like <laughs> better than a pig wearing lipstick. It's, I think it's largely cultural. We don't admit when we're wrong or when we have, like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in this world, but it's, it is, it's everywhere. It's every sales job. It's every industry. It's, you know, God bless the shareholder dividends. That's the almighty. That's what matters now. Right. So everything else is arbitrary Mm. in the end, because I think we've just gotten to a point where to run a business, you have to, you almost have to just hose people. I think that's what running a business is these days. Not for everybody, obviously, but I think for like the big guys, like if you're looking at all the big restaurants and stuff like that, like they literally make their money on cutting the quality of the food and cutting the quality of their staff's lives. Financially, hours-wise, whatever they can do to take back, right? And it's the same thing with the schools too. It's just like, it's this abundant greed that you need to like just take everything all the time. And there is a level of embarrassment about it. That's why people eat their shit, right? Like they don't want to admit that they're in sales because it's embarrassing to be. This directly applies to the Green Snake, to the Green Shield podcast. Green Shield is trying to make themselves look so fucking good because they don't want to admit that what they're doing is a business move to keep more money in their pockets, right? So they've got to make themselves look good. We're focusing on mental health. We're, you know, we're putting money into children's critical life-saving medication. Like, see, my my point in all this is that makes sense if, People are buying what you're selling. But when you're selling and no one's buying, then let's cut the shit. That's all. Well, and it would help a lot if, I mean, if the whole world wasn't a business and didn't operate this way, everybody's so skeptical. You know, when you actually are somebody that's running a legitimate business and your product is quality, there's just so many people that are so skeptical because you can't trust anyone. When there's something wrong with my car, do you think that I take what the mechanic is saying to me? I worked in the business for 12 years and it makes me feel sick when a mechanic's talking to me still. To this, this is day. what I mean. So I know like, exactly what yeah, you're talking about. The, the yeah. mechanic starts telling me things and I, all I'm thinking is, do you think because I'm a woman, I have no idea what you're talking about? Do you think that, you know, you say these big words that I don't understand that, I, you know, like it's, I'm so skeptical. I go to my doctor and, you know, he's telling me this, that, and this, and this, and you need to take this medication. And I'm thinking, are you getting a kickback from this company? You know, like it's, everything is so slimy that everybody's so skeptical. So if you are somebody that isn't a scumbag, you're still going to get lumped in with everybody anyways. Everybody's going to wonder why, why, you know, what makes you the person that I should be trusting? You can't trust anybody. Anybody. Yeah, that's so true. That's so, so, so true. It's 
It's a shame, but it's true. I'm going to go cry now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you guys became very want to go crying? Get in, get in. We're going crying, guys. <laughs> I feel like really deflated right now. <laughs> well, it's this is why I'm very much a big fan of supporting small businesses mm-hmm. and supporting like private, you know, like small mom and pop shops. Mm-hmm. Because majority of these people are just the people that are trying to make a living. The government is fucking like raping them with the amount of money they take out of their pockets with taxes and everything. And then these big, giant corporations that don't need any more money in their pocket are putting these places out of business and keeping all the profits for themselves. I will only go to Harvey's. Everywhere else I try to go to um, like a single establishment, like a proprietor run establishment for exactly that reason. Because you get better quality too, I find, Mm -hmm. when the person that you're dealing with is the person making the money. Yeah. Like there's a little more accountability there, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a Mr. Sub just down the street from here, a street from here. Are Mr. Sub's franchises? Did we have this discussion before? I'm pretty sure I they are. They okay. Are. So there's a Mr. Sub down the street from nice here. And I world. assume the guy that's always behind the counter is the franchise owner I'm because this guy so. acts like he's the president of Mr. Sub. You get the best fucking service at this Mr. Sub of anywhere that I have ever gone. Like he, you walk through the door and he's like, hey, how's it going? How you doing today? Like he's so friendly as he's making your sandwich. He does it with like... Like, he's not just, like, throwing things on. He's, like, doing it with, like, all of this, like, character. And, yeah, like, <laughs> yes. it's just... And you leave there and you're, like, excited. Like, I'm going to eat the best sub of my life. And then I'm going to come back. That's what I mean. Even if they opened a Subway across the street, are you going to go to that Subway? Like, never, right? Like, you're going to keep going to your Mr. Sub because it's your place and they do it right. I don't don't even eat subs that often, but I I know that guy. He's... uh, We always joke when we leave. We're like, do you think he, like, owns, like... Mr. I'm pretty Sub? sure he does. Well, and if he doesn't, be the, he's, he's be. the fucking happiest, nicest dude in the world if he doesn't own the joint. You know what, though? It really, it really like makes my day. It's, I know this is so off topic, but like when I go to a grocery store, which does anybody really. No, that's not true. I did. I do enjoy grocery, grocery shopping, but sometimes I'm doing it like when I've got zero time. So I just want to kind of get in, get my stuff and get out. When I get to the checkout and it's like the most miserable human being in the world, I really dislike that. Now, granted, you don't, you can't judge anybody. You don't know what this person's day has been like. Maybe they're dealing with some shit, whatever. But I hate it when you get like really, really shitty customer service. So when I get to the checkout and the person is like super friendly and chatty and whatever, good for you you know like you you have a a job working in a grocery store but you are like so happy to be doing it and you're actually doing it well and taking it seriously and i fucking love that so yeah Yeah, taking people taking pride in what they do i think is important not just dealing with them but also i think personally it's important to customer experience is a big part of successful businesses right so again when it comes to the private career colleges If you go online on certain websites and see reviews of some of these schools and you see a lot of dissatisfied people because they pull out all the stops, you get all the bells and whistles to sign up and then you go in and you don't get what you were promised. And so the reputation of these places keeps declining. There's also people that just complain about fucking everything. Well, yeah, of course. But again, when you when I read reviews for things, I try to look at the bigger picture. Like how many of these reviews are positive versus negative? Um, Even if and, there's triple negative versus positive, to me, that's good. Because you know how it goes, right? Someone's yeah. pissed off, they're telling everybody. Exactly. Someone's happy, you might be lucky if they tell one person. Exactly. If it so, yeah, you have to obviously take reviews with a, with a grain of salt. But like you said, with the massage schools, the people who, the schools that have built up a certain reputation of having a quality program and their students are happy when they come out, 
they don't have to do any of the slimy stuff. They don't to have get to because in. they've already done what they need to. That's that's what I mean. Like all of it is so unnecessary. All of this trickery, exactly. all of this, you know, like stay with the script. It works. Like if you have a quality product or service, all of that should be absolutely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Well, they've also stayed with their long game. You know what I mean? Their long game is let's build a reputation. Let's have quality. That's a strategic plan yeah. that I think a lot of these places that are after the short-term game just, yeah. just they don't they don't do. Yep. And it shows. Yes, it does. What do I know? I have a podcast. I really <laughs> like the idea to be honest of the length of the programs in some cases with the private schools. There are certain advantages to private schools. Oh, definitely. There's tons. Tons of advantages. I know it sounds like, like we're like really shooting down private schools. I'm a fan of private schools. No, that's why I keep jumping in with saying they're not all bad and there's certain aspects about them that are really great, but you have to get through all the mud to see the great, like it's, for example, the opportunity to make money. If you're going to go to a school and invest three years of your life, that's three years before you can actually start your career. You go to a private school and do it in a year and a half. Yes, you're paying more. But you're also making money for an extra year and a half that you wouldn't be making. So are you paying more or are you paying less? Exactly. You're paying less, most likely. If you get a job right away in your field, chances are you will be cash positive having made that decision. Absolutely. I used to, that was sort of one of my key factors when I was talking to people who were like, yeah, but if I go to, you know, Centennial College, I can do this program for a third of the cost. Right, like you're years. right, in, exactly. <laughs> but you're going to have to invest double or triple the time. You're, it's your call. Those are hours that you will not be working and making money. So time yeah, exactly. Is money, like sometimes people. people need to look at it like that. But yeah, I would prefer, especially like I think if you're 17 years old coming out of high school, going and spending four years at university is not just about university or college, right? Like it's about the experience. It's about you know forging, growing up because growing you're a child. Up, <laughs> you, you know, separating from your parents possibly yeah. physically, right? Like there's, I think it's great. I think it's a great life experience. I think there are a lot of electives that I think it's important. People have the opportunity to access, but you're 33. You're, you know, just got a divorce, just got laid off. You have two kids. Like I don't have four years. Like I just don't have it. I need to be in and out in, you know, 14 months, no breaks so that I can get my plan back on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that that shows in the populations too, I think of of private schools. They're generally speaking, aren't very, aren't very many kids coming straight from high school. Yeah. It's it's majority mature students and, I think, again, that that's not that that's part of the problem. I don't know how to word this, but when you're, you've got a class of all people who are on their second career, you either are going to have people who are super, super serious about it and focused and doing really great, or you're going to have people who are struggling because they've got lives, they've got responsibilities, they've still got a lot of them still full-time jobs, they have kids, they have bills, they have mortgage, like, so... Some of them have been out of the classroom for 20 years. Exactly. Like, yeah. So there's the people that I am totally on board with sort of helping to get them through the program, and there's a difference between really helping a student and getting them through the program, or pushing someone through that isn't going to be successful, right? There's a big difference. Yeah. And uh, some private schools, I think sort of go with the latter. I don't think post-secondary should be for profit, period. I think it should all be public, just like high school. I think that when you get to the point where you need post-secondary education to get a job, I'd say that's a fairly safe statement in today's economy. I think it's pretty hard to get a job without at least college, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you need college or university to find a job and it's not free, you have to pay for it, you're essentially paying for a job in the end. And I think that marginalizes people who are, you know, not coming from anything. Um, but that's just my little tidbit. I think it should. And that's, I don't and think that's a whole other That's a whole, podcast. that's a way bigger, whole different conversation. But yeah. 
I think realistically, a lot of this would be a non-issue if it just wasn't <laughs> post-secondary. Honestly, 60 years ago, post-secondary should have been for profit. Absolutely. You can make money off it 100% because like 10% of the population is going. Now you have to go to college or university. You have to, or you cannot participate in the economy, largely speaking, the odd exception to the rule. So I think like pretty much all, if it's a college program or university program, it should all come out in the wash anyway. It should all be publicly funded. What I think would be better is having people able to operate in their fields, like what you guys are doing, where it's like, even if you had an RMT school, the quality that you guys are bringing with the additional courses, the upgrading and stuff like that. I think that's where it's best to have professionals from the industry coming in and doing it for profit. Does that make sense? But I think largely, I don't think any school should be making money. I think it should all just be publicly funded for the greater good of all of us, I would say. Isn't that the way it is in like Switzerland? No, not Switzerland. Um, I think Denmark. There's Denmark? a number of Belgium. Okay. There's a number, a number of EU countries that... And for exactly the same reason as well, because it's like, well, if you can't afford an education, then you can't get a job. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... That's how you have revolutions. Right? And then you have socialist countries like Cuba. Well, yeah. the thing is, I just assumed that, you know, that's part of the structure of our economy is keep the lower class the lower class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't educate them enough to surpass you ever, right? Yeah. So I think that would also eliminate the unnecessary amount of people we're training to do specific jobs don't need that many people. Like there's a reason why talking about mechanics, your mechanic can charge you $150 an hour, but your accountant can only charge you 40. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason for that. And it's because of the number of bodies that are getting these certifications and how many are actually required, how many are in demand. What does the economy demand of this specific designation? And I think that would take care of itself because the public schools are doing it too. The public schools are bringing in way more people for each undergrad than they need right? They have no accountability for people getting jobs or anything like that. No, they don't. Like how many people need to have a BCom? How many people need to have a BCom? Realistically, whereas RMT is good because largely speaking, the number of programs that are available, specifically the number of people going through and the demand for it is really level, right? There actually seems, well, there actually seems to be even a, a shortage of, of RMTs. RMTs. Everybody I know who owns a clinic is sending me messages because I mean, the fact that we have Con Ed and we have a lot of RMTs coming through our doors, we get messages all the time. Do you guys know anybody looking for work? We really don't. Really? We really I'm not don't. surprised to hear it. I'm not surprised to hear it. Just, I think like with the benefits that you get physically. <laughs> you know what I mean? In your opinion, don't ask the insurance companies. <laughs> Are they trying to get it? Because rem- I think it's largely covered right now, right? I think I'm, almost everyone I know has coverage for at least up to like a thousand bucks a year, if not unlimited. And they're trying Listen to-, to our last podcast. Oh no, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. But what do we know, right? I don't know anything <laughs> about it. Anything. <laughs> All well, I, I know is like personally as a patient, when it comes to massage therapy, like there are, I literally can't move sometimes with my back unless I go and have a course of treatment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, it's probably, probably from doing this all day. Long, <laughs> you should probably send uh, a letter to Green Shield Canada. That would be a good thing. They're proposing to remove massage therapy from their insurance coverage, but they're doing it in a very, since the theme is like sneaky and slimy, they're doing it in a very slimy, sneaky way. They're publishing stuff saying like, would you give up your massage therapy coverage if your colleague needed 
cancer life-saving drugs. Uh, you guys posted profits of $5 billion last year. We get both. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, we'll take both. Cool. Massage All right, ther- cool. Ma- Anything ma- else? Then the, see you later. <laughs> the benefits of massage therapy can be achieved by taking a nap. Like, this is the shit that they've been saying in publishing. Like a real human or like a monkey going like this with symbols? <laughs> like... <laughs> You can say a great number of things, right? Like, we have two moons and they're both purple. Yeah. Does that make it true? No. So, <laughs> they can say whatever they'd like. Hopefully, that doesn't... Hopefully, there's... Well, this is what... this is. I what can't the, imagine anyone not being this is pretty what, upset about that. If Everyone's so happy that they have coverage for it. You know, like, I haven't slept like this in 20 years, you know? I, I can't imagine people giving that up easily. Then again, in the last 20 years, we've given up dental. We've given up all kinds of stuff that was that used to be covered right yeah yeah right on is there anything else you guys want to wrap on i oh. think we covered a lot of things yeah. I think today we did, yeah i mean to sum up really there are unethical things that happen at private career colleges there are benefits and anybody who's thinking of attending a private career colleges we're not saying don't but do your research yeah it absolutely might be the right thing for someone who's looking to go to college if mm-hmm. you specifically are more concerned with the time just make sure you're looking at the school make sure you're looking at the quality of education you're going to receive if you're going to spend that extra money to get it done a little bit faster absolutely yeah right on right on well thanks for hanging it's been fun thanks for hanging out on our couch thanks for having me definitely it was lovely having cool, the chance cool. to come down and chat right on you guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone peace <laughs>